There's so much excitement in my spirit. I, I don't even know where to start. But when I woke up this morning, I, I felt like Joshua. And Joshua got all the way to the edge of the promised land. Then he got over into the promised land. And there were things that God had told Joshua and Caleb 40 years prior to that. That they were just getting ready to walk into the fortress of it. But just like the enemy, how many of y'all know that there were giants in that land that they had been promised? And so like anything else, anytime you're getting ready to do something big for God, how many of there's still mountains that need to be hurdled? And the enemy is never given anything easy. But here's the testimony. Just like Caleb had 40 years prior to that, we are well able to overcome this mountain. Folks, today marks the day that we take back what already belonged to us in the first place. Oh, I just need five people to get in faith with me today. So we are in the promised land, and now it's time to possess what rightfully belongs to us. And I know that's true for somebody else in this room as well. Somebody in here, you're right there. And now it's just time to possess what already belongs to you. You can be seated. Love on somebody today. Let them know that you're happy to see them. We've already had pre-service prayer today. And so, Father, we just thank you for your grace, your anointing, and your impartation that rests on me to deliver and rest on your people to receive. Not one person out in this room today will, will leave out not having uh, just been, heart, hearts been opened up uh, to experience all that you have for them, not just in our corporate lives, but in their individual lives in Jesus' name. If you're watching via Facebook Live or Periscope, we want to welcome you today. This is an exciting day for Linked Up Church. How many of y'all are ready to see what everything looks like? I should just show it right now, shouldn't I? Let's take care of a little business before we get there. Today we're going to look at grace plus giving equals vision forward. And so today marks the day that we move the vision forward. And so grace plus giving equals vision forward. One way to know how much a person understands the subject of grace or even how much they live by grace is to really pay attention to your giving. You'll always understand your revelation of that subject, not just your financial giving, but how you serve people and how you love people and how you obviously give to people it's all an indication of the grace of God that's in your heart and the revelation that you have about it. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 today. And the word grace is used eight times in those two chapters. And it's all around the subject of giving. And so by definition, or the Greek word for, for grace is charis. You can find all of these notes if you have the YouVersion Bible app. Let's go to the event section, look up Linked Up Church. All of the notes are right there. They'll also go behind me as well. 
The Greek word is charis, and it literally means graciousness as gratifying of manner or act, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So notice, whatever is happening in the heart should be reflected in the life. Including gratitude. So, so when you really think about grace, grace is, is graciousness. It's God's goodness. And what happens is when you've received it, how I many of you naturally have to respond to it by sharing it? When you get a revelation of how good God has been to you, you want to be good to other people the way God has been good to you. And it's a response. It, it includes gratitude acceptable benefit favor folks the favor of God is all over your life people bless you and they don't know why they're blessing you you pull up at the grocery store and somebody pulls out of the first spot right next to the front door because God's favor is all over your life because he loves you that much and he's been good to you it's a gift it's gracious. It's liberality. So notice, God's grace, because he was so liberal in giving the gift of his son, Jesus, how I many you know we respond from that by wanting to be liberal as well? It's his pleasure and his, his thanksworthiness. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and let's look at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, as our foundation text and then we'll back up and look at what all of this means. Of course, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's really using chapter 8 to motivate the church at Corinth because of the, the liberal giving from three churches in Macedonia, basically churches in Philippi, churches in Thessalonica, and churches in Berea. Those churches had raised an offering, and they really raised it out of their their deep poverty and their great need, but they were so appreciative of all, of all that God had done for them. Paul is now using their testimony to motivate the group at Corinth. And he's inspiring them from their giving. He's inspiring them that they should also operate in this same gift. Now, in context, or this same grace, in context, they raised this gift to sow a seed to the needy saints that were at Jerusalem. And that was the purpose behind that gift. Today, folks, we're going to give Linked Up Church and all of our supporters that watch online, we're going to give you an opportunity today to help us move this vision forward. I need two better amens than that today. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, it says, but as you abound, that word abound means excel. He says, so as you excel in everything, you excel in faith, you excel in speech, you excel in knowledge, you excel in all diligence. Watch this. And you excel in love. So notice this church in Corinth, they're excelling in all of the areas that we would say this church is on fire. But notice how Paul encourages them. He says, but see that you excel or abound in this grace also. Well, what grace is he referring to in context? He's referring to the grace of giving. And we're not talking about tithes here today, folks. We're just talking about generous hearts. Let's look at what giving according to grace looks like. 
Go back to verse 1. We're going to really look at 10 areas today, and we're going to go through these quickly because they speak for themselves. So look at what giving according to grace looks like. Giving is an outward manifestation of God's grace in our lives. And so anytime a person has great revelation about the grace of God, how many of others should see that manifested in your life, right? It's tangible. It's something that can be seen, right? Look at verses 1 through 3 here. Paul says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you. So he's making them aware of the grace of God that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Again, in Thessalonica, Philippi, and Berea, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. Now, that doesn't even flow together, does it? that in a great trial of affliction, they still had an abundance of joy. That's the secret to success in life. That when you know how good God is, you can be at your lowest point in life, but you'll be so full of joy and still desirous to help other people because you already know the end result of your situation. Come on, you already know that you win. And even though you're in a deep trial, how I many know the devil should never steal your joy? Anyone in here in a deep trial right now? Why don't you just make the devil mad by shouting hallelujah, glory to God. Come on, tell the devil I win. I win. And you do. So he says, moreover, brethren, we make, we make known to you the grace of God, God's goodness, his graciousness that he bestowed on those churches in Macedonia. How did Paul know he bestowed his grace on them? Because in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now, how many know that it's one thing to say you're in poverty, it's another thing to say you're in deep poverty. That's kind of how I grew up. We weren't in poverty. We were in deep poverty. Anybody else in here know what I'm talking about? I don't even remember owning our first car until I was in the sixth grade, 12 years old. We caught the bus and we walked everywhere we went. No, you all don't know nothing about that because you, you got your nice car sitting out there on the parking lot. But notice... The way Paul knew that the grace of God was on this group of people was even though they were in a great trial of affliction, they kept their joy. And even though they were experiencing deep poverty, it abounded or it, it excelled in the riches of their liberality. So, I mean, when you're in deep poverty, it's not about how much you give. It's the fact that you're still willing to give something. It's a good faith gesture that God, I know everything's going to be all right. And they were able to still demonstrate that. For I bear witness that according to their ability, so notice Paul said, I saw this with my own eyes, that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. That's what I want to talk about today, folks. This is not about how much. This is about how willing. Because for some, that might be $2. But that's a, a, a big gift. 
For others, that might be 2,000. For others, that might be 20,000. There are a few people in here, might be 2 million. Somebody should have said right there, boy, that's me right there. Because if you can give two, you probably got ten laying around somewhere. So giving is an outward manifestation of God's grace in our lives. You can always tell how much revelation a person has about that subject. You can always tell. Just check their giving life. Check around that. You'll see how much they're actually living according to the grace that's actually in their heart. Number two, giving is the privilege and responsibility of fellowship with others. I mean, anytime we're going to spend time with other people, it's usually going to require some type of giving of either my time, my resources, right, my transportation. There's some kind of giving involved in that. Look at verses or verse four. It says, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship or partnering of the ministering to the saints. So in other words, Paul was telling them, you don't have to do this because of your situation. But they were saying, no, we have to do this because God has been too good to us. And so giving is a privilege and a responsibility of partnering with others. See, folks, our giving is getting ready to change Cobb County. I just need two people to have big faith with me. Our giving is getting ready to change the dynamics of Cobb County. They were excited when the Braves built that new stadium. But boy, they haven't seen nothing yet with all of the stuff that linked up churches getting ready to build. Number three, giving involves oneself before one's substance. So you got to give of your heart. You got to give of yourself first. And for some, that might just be your prayers. We need that too. It might just be your service in the kingdom. We need that too. But you've got to first make the decision to give of yourself before you can ever give of your substance. God wants your heart, not your resources. Look at verses 5 through 7. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. So, so we were glad that they gave their resources, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound or excel in everything, faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, now he's telling the church at Corinth and in your love, see that you abound in this grace also. Folks, I have a dream that Linked Up Church will be the most generous church in the United States of America, that it helps more people than any other church in the United States of America. It feeds more hungry people. It clothes more homeless people. Come on, somebody. Come on. It houses people. It takes care of its elderly. It raises up schools. It has a community economic development center that is changing the whole county it's building buildings it's creating jobs I need somebody to believe in what God is calling us to do number four giving is a sincere proof of one's love it is sincere proof how much you love something or someone 
Second Corinthians chapter 8, 8 says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testifying. See, I witnessed the sincerity of your love, watch this, by your diligence to others. My wife would not believe I loved her if I never did anything for her. Oh, I just knew the ladies wouldn't leave me all out there by myself like that. It's just the reality, folks. I love God, but I do nothing for him. Doesn't even sound right, does it? We're not even talking about... Re it's, it's the giving of yourself first that everything else springs from that. I once heard someone say, and I, I couldn't remember it, but I, I know it's an actual quote. You can love without giving, but you cannot give without loving. Did you all catch what I just said? You know, there are people that have borrowed money from me. I didn't give that to them because I loved them. I gave it to them so they'd never ask me for money again. <laughs> and I could use that as leverage. You still ain't paid back the money from 20 years ago. How I many of you know there was no love in that? Right? But watch this. But when I'm giving you something, not loaning, it's because I love you. Number five, giving should be governed by the principle of equality. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 8 through 15. Uh, Lisa Newsom, who's an administrator here, made a statement to me, and I immediately went on a search for that truth. And that, that statement was, it's never equal giving, it's equal commitment. And that looks different for every person in the room. And I went on a quest, because for whatever reason, it, it registered in here, so I knew it registered in here. Does that make sense? And I found it. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 8 through 15. says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testifying again of the sincerity of your love by your diligence to others. I, I witnessed that. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he was our example, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be what? So see, that's what that, those churches in Macedonia were demonstrating. That even though they were struggling, they realized someone struggled greater than them so that they could have what they have. But they also connected coming out of what I'm in is connected to how I help others. Jesus led by example. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage. See, churches should never take advantage of people. Churches should always give advantage to people. Right? And so everything you're going to hear me talk about today is really not about anything else but giving you an opportunity to participate with the grace of God that's on this church. Really, that's on God. So this is the advice that I give, and it's to your advantage. Not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. See, a lot of times we have told God, I'm going to start giving next week. 
Because see, what, what we can't have happen here is that you make a promise and you never deliver. We'd rather you not make the promise and just give of yourself than to make the promise and don't deliver. That's to your advantage. Can you all see that? How many of y'all glad you came today? This is one of those Sundays where I wish I could just get down here and walk the aisles, walk the back of the pew. Say, come on down. Say, come on down. She said, come on down. You're the next contestant, right? So watch this. Now you must complete the doing of it. See, that there was there a readiness and a desire. That's first. So there also must be a completion out of what you have. So here's the wisdom today, folks. Make your decisions based off of what you have. Faith can always get involved, and you can believe for more, but now you're going above and beyond. But use wisdom and make decisions off of what you have. Do not hurt your family over a direction the church is going in. Do not take food out of your children's mouth over a direction that the church is going in. Don't stop paying tuition for your kid's school over a direction that the church is going in. Hello, somebody. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what you have. You see that? And not according to what you do not have. So notice, there it is. There's equal. Let me make sure I say it right. It's not equal giving. It's equal commitment. Because it's not based on anything but what you can do. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, I don't have no special oil for you. I don't have a handkerchief to give you. Come on, somebody. I don't have some water that I brought back from Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. All I've got is the Word of God that will stand true every single time if you're willing to stand on it. So there's no pressure here. Relax. God has already done this. All we're doing is presenting an opportunity for you to demonstrate the grace that's in your heart based off of where you're at and don't compare yourself to anybody else for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden but an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance also may supply your lack that there may be what? That's all this is about, folks, is equality. How many of y'all are glad you came today? Amen. Your sowing patterns are connected to your reaping patterns. Number six. Go over to the ninth chapter and let's look at verse six. Your sowing patterns are connected to your reaping patterns. Second Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, But this I say, he which sows sparingly, shall reap or harvest sparingly. And he which sows bountifully shall also reap or harvest how? Bountifully. Now, sparingly actually means stingily. 
So notice, he's really referring to a condition of a person's heart. So they're not sowing based off of what they have. They're actually being stingy. Right? Because if we'll pay $1,000 for some Louboutin shoes, I don't know what it costs to get our hair, nails, toes. I don't know what my iPhone costs. That light is in my eye again. I can't really see out here that well. That's all I'm saying. I can't. If you're out there and you agree with what I said, shout amen, somebody. Shout a little louder. Somebody give God glory in this place. See? So notice your sowing patterns are connected to your reaping patterns. The thing that no one else in here will ever know is your heart. Only you and God know that. All I'm saying is if you can spend what you spend on other stuff, how important is the kingdom of God in that? Number seven, giving is a voluntary worship from a cheerful heart. Now, you're going to see our church transition. Now, I've had the liberty of studying over a year on one subject, the subject of grace. You're going to see our, our church transition out of tithes into grace giving. Not taking away the tithe. It's in there, but we're going higher but there'll be no burden for those who can't. And everybody starts where they can. And they work their way till they can do better. That's grace. Y'all ain't ready. <laughs> Giving is voluntary worship from a cheerful heart. I, I just want a happy church with happy people all the time not some of the time but all the time they come in happy they leave out happy they greet each other happy church should be a happy cheerful place giving is voluntary worship from a cheerful heart so let each of you in verse 7 give as he purposes in his heart nobody else can do that for you just don't do it grudgingly or out of compulsion or necessity because God loves what kind of give for, giver? A cheerful giver. What kind of giver? Cheerful. What does a cheerful giver look like? Somebody show me what a cheerful giver looks like. They do it with a smile on their face, with a happy, encouraged heart. Right? Out of a response of God's goodness and grace in my life. God's been so good to me. It's such a privilege to do anything for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God has been so good to me. Giving guarantees the provision of God in your life. Put that scripture up there. I want to show you that, verse 8. Giving guarantees the provision of God in your life. I want you to see all of these alls in here. And God is able. We can stop right there. 
That's all you need to know. I don't know how I'm going to get up. God is able. God is able. Put the verse back up there. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now, what would that mean to have all of his favor excelling in your life? Giving activates that. So that you always having all sufficiency. What does that look like to you? Where every need that you have is met. Your giving determines that. So that you may abound to every good work. One translation says, so that all of your needs will be met for whatever you need them for. Your giving determines that. Not this economy. Not who's the president in office. I don't know why folks getting all uptight. We just pray for whichever one of them, folks. We, we live in the kingdom. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. So we don't have to be tossed to and fro. Number nine, giving is an act of faithful worship, which results in acts of righteousness. Verse uh, 10 and 11. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the food and bread for food supply and multiply the seeds you have sown. Now notice God supplies seed to the sower. There have been times over my married life where we didn't have to give towards an effort. And we decided together to believe God for it. And God gave us seed to sow. Because he'll do that. God gives seed not to the stingy, to the what? To the sower. And notice the seed that they sow will provide bread for their food. Then God will take the, the seed and multiply it, and then he'll increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now watch this. Giving does not make you righteous. It's a manifestation that you are righteous. See, I don't give to make me righteous. I give because I'm righteous. Amen. You see the difference? Yeah. And then he multiplies that. So while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Number 10, giving glorifies God before others as a tangible testimony of the gospel. Verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Folks, Linked Up Church is going to help so many people. And they're going to be so thankful to God because of what this church will provide. Now, the way God is calling us to do this is different than, than, than the way I've ever seen it done. God has literally challenged me to never borrow a penny and to never use banks. Actually, the only example I thought I had was Apostle Frederick Casey Price. But I asked him directly this past two weeks ago when he was here. I asked directly, did you all never borrow a penny for the faith dome? He said, no, we did borrow money for the faith dome. It's just when we marched in it, it was paid for. Let's give God glory for that. 
And so what I'm sharing with you all today, folks, is I believe God is calling us to do something that at least I'm not aware of has never been done. Where for our entire existence, we will never use a bank. To be an example of kingdom living. And it's going to be a testimony, not just in Cobb County. Mark my words, but all around the world. That we don't have to operate in the world system to do kingdom business. So in conclusion, what is it going to take for us to get this job done? Go to Acts chapter 4. And we've got a video to show you. You can cue that up. This will require a unified body of believers to have one heart, one soul. Once I say what we're doing, you can't say anything different. We have to have one heart and one soul so that God's grace can rest on all of us to get the job done. In Acts chapter 4, let's look at an example of this. We know that the early church was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit in chapters 1 and 2. Chapters 3, we know that a lame man was healed, and Peter and them were instructed to, to no longer speak by the Sanhedrin council in the name of Jesus. They were threatened, thrown into prison. In Acts chapter 4, they came out, verse 34, their own company. They prayed. The place was shaken where they were all together. We're going to pick the story up. Once they got with their company, I want you to show you what happened here as a result of them being on the same page. Look at verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, and that has to be us, folks. Thousands of people thinking like one. And one soul, they all had the same mind, will, and emotional position on this. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. There's that equality again. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then great grace was upon them all. Now watch this. Obviously then, great grace can be seen. Just like we just saw in the, with the church at Corinth, right? Everybody can say, I, I, you know, I'm a grace man. But, but you can see it. So how do we know great grace was upon them all? Look at the first thing that manifested. For there was none among them who lacked. See, the community was taking care of each other. That's what we're talking about doing, folks. Why didn't any of them lack? Because as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them. They didn't sell their house. They didn't sell their land. They had multiple houses and multiple lands. And they saw a greater cause than just saying, I've got a house on the East Coast, a house on the West Coast, a house down South. They saw a greater cause say, well, let's, we can only live in one at a time. So let's help people that are less fortunate than we are. 
and they brought those proceeds and the, the apostles distributed. Folks, we are what I would call in the promised land. Now what we have to do is possess what we already own. We've decided that to rebuild this space was not, well, I'm sorry, to remodel this space was not good enough for you. So every time we looked at a remodel, it never had to feel that this was the excellence that the people who've been intense deserve. And so, folks, we've decided to go for it. And we're going to rebuild this space. And we're going to trust God. So that's so all we're doing, folks. I, I just believe that if he did the first part, he's already done the second part. And I'm just presenting to you how it's going to get done. Sit back and enjoy the video. I almost now feel like Steve. Permanent, now we're at our permanent destination. Uh, this journey started about three and a half years ago. We set our faith. Uh, we started with, with not a penny. We set our faith from day one uh, to believe God for the resources to purchase our first building cash. And boy, did God deliver. Yes, uh, he, yes, yes. he has come in above and beyond what we could ever imagine or dream. He's uh, really exceeded our expectations. So now that we have it, what did we put in it? Uh, we've designed this building for the people because we couldn't do it without them. So when I think about what's in it, everything that we do in our program on Sunday, we took into consideration how the people who do it would do it best and feel good about the areas that they do it in. So we created space that we believe will speak to family, uh, connectivity, life, uh, just doing life together. And I think every person will be so blessed by every room that they serve in. We designed the facility with the space that we have to meet the four points of our vision, connecting to people to God. We on purpose made our sanctuary so that it's visibly pleasing, but also aesthetically very inviting. So we have the big screen in the back so that we can make different images as it pertains to the different messages that may be taught so we can engage visual uh, participation. Then from there, not only just connecting people to God in the main sanctuary, but I'm excited about the children's church in the nursery area, especially the nursery area, the little link land, because they're, they're going to have their own little bitty bathrooms with the little bitty toilets, and they have their own little bunk beds, cri uh, cribs that's going to be in it, and it's just going to be so much bigger and so much fun and so, so colorful, but yet very uh, inviting to the children where our heart is that the babies and the children won't want to leave and if they have to leave they're going to be quite upset kids should be excited about coming to learn more about Jesus the youth area they'll have their own staging area they'll have their own area for fun and connectivity and socialization they need some personal interaction so they can get away from those screens yeah so a place that they can call their own and really get engaged in the things of God and also with learning more about uh, about who they are and uh, their place in society today as young Christians and then we have a place for connecting people to family the cafe and the and the uh, social area and we on purpose yeah the fellowship hall we on purpose have 
areas throughout the lobby. We have a big, big lobby we're making plans for that's connected to the cafe area. The cafe area will be a resource center for our small groups. They'll be able to perhaps check out information for their to facilitate their small groups. But we have on-purpose pods whereby people can fellowship and have a good time and talk to each other because we know that's what people love to do is further connect with family, church family. And then number three, connecting people to purpose. We have five or six classrooms in the back. Five classrooms in the back that are large enough to actually be, and the plan is right now to make them technologically savvy enough so that we could really be able to effectively teach and get across information. Uh, they could use those classrooms for small group meetings, but just connecting people to purpose, which is a very big thrust in who we are, because we want people to walk in the fullness of what they're called to do on the earth. And then last, connecting people to community or the dream team area. We have a dream team station that will have their own little kitchenette. Don't tell them too much about Dream Team Central. That's a place where they will it'll be their own. Talk a little yeah. bit more about that. Uh, talk or not talk. Talk or not talk. But the Dream Team Central area, they'll have their own locker Don't tell space. them too much. Don't tell them too much. Don't tell them too much. But it'll be nice. It's going to be nice. And you're going to like it. We want them to go home. So yeah, we want them to go much. home. We don't want Dream yeah. Team We don't want y'all asking us for cots to stay there. But it's going to be nice. It's going to be a nice we area. We thought about you, Dream Yes, because we appreciate you. Couldn't be who we are without you. We believe this is just a replica, the beginning of what will be. So we just want to give you all a glimpse of what's to come. Because if this is the first building, can you imagine as we continue to develop and grow and fulfill what God's called us to do, what the future looks like?
Welcome home. Welcome home, Linked Up Church. Now, of course we couldn't, let's all stand to our feet. Of course we couldn't show everything because every time we asked them to create a room, it cost a couple of thousand dollars. And so we asked them to just give us 3D animation on the main areas. But what you weren't able to see was in that high, middle uh, youth church area, what you really see is a senior high and a junior high area. And you might recall those stairs that go up to the top. That's going to be a second floor game room for them. That'll have gaming stations, pool tables, ping pong table, air hockey, all of that stuff for the young people to have fun. My only concern now with that Dream Team Central is being able to keep, we, we decided to put a flat screen TV in there. And, and my concern is to keep Andrew out of there while service is going on. <laughs> Every week they'll be looking for Andrew. He's over in Dream Team Central watching television. But do you all like what we presented to you all today? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And so before I share additional information, I want to make sure that we take care of people's hearts that are in this room today. And so remember, the, the first area uh, you want to always commit to is giving of yourself to God. And so while believers are praying all around the room, if you're in here today, you don't know Jesus.